This morning I'm going to be touching on something that, strangely enough, I find that we, we often run away from this particular thing. There's no trouble. We dealt with that. But it's something that is required. It's something that God expects of us. But yet we play small and we allow others to live out this particular thing. And that, that what I'm speaking about is leadership. And a lot of times we think that leadership is this exclusive thing. That no, not me. Most of us when you say you were leader, no, 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 not me. Because by leader, automatically we think CEO of company. We think big already. Forgetting that God always says, don't despise the beginning of small things. If I can trust you with a little, you know, I can give you much. But we always think big immediately. And yes, I understand that your God is a big God. Your God is an extravagant God. But God always starts somewhere. He never throws you in the deep end and you cannot swim. He always starts you from where you can start off. And we often miss our callings as leaders because we're looking to others. We also miss our callings to leaders because our leadership role models are incorrect. We have wrong people that we look up to as leaders. And we take them as a blueprint as to what leadership looks like. And this is why we never reach our Christian leadership potential. What is leadership? Simply, is leadership is the willingness to take control and responsibility of a given task or circumstance. And I'm going to prove to you just with that statement that you are a leader. Has there been times in your workplace where you could be the only one who could fix something? Or you were the only one who has gone ahead and you are trailblazing this particular thing, but you don't see yourself as a leader? Or the times in your family when nobody else wants to sort this issue out, but you can you sort it out. You are a leader. You see, leadership is not only confined to business. Leadership is when you take responsibility for something that has to be done. You're taking leadership. If you're out doing something on your own and nobody is on the same level as you or doing the same thing as you, you are leading. And what we do is we reject the leadership role because actually... Being a follower is so much more easier. Being a follower, every, anybody can be a follower. You don't have to have a walk with the Lord. You can be the worst person on this planet, worst morals, you can be a follower. But leadership is certain character traits that you require. Now we don't want to put in the work, even if it is that we are supposed to lead in a particular place, we rather follow. And the thing about leadership is, is that if there is an assignment that needs to be fulfilled, and that's your assignment, and you don't go there, somebody's going to take the lead. Because the job has to get done. There are two people that takes the lead. It's either somebody that is filled with purpose from the Lord, or somebody that is filled with pride. Those are the two that stands up and say, I'm going to lead. That's why if you look at the, not only our country, but a lot of countries, there's a lot of leaders in positions, but you can see that is not a leader. That is not how you conduct yourself. You have you forced yourself there. How did he get there? Pride. Oh, I can do this. <laughs> sounds familiar. Sounds like our brother Solomon. Ah, no, that this is me. I do this. No, let me just look at this. This is me. You see, for me, pride. Godly leadership and pride doesn't mix. The two don't mix. In the secular world, pride is a part of leadership. But now we make the mistake of thinking because that's the blueprint. That the world has said, we pull it into the church and it messes up the church. There's a lot of people in leadership in churches that's not supposed to be there. 
They are filled with pride. They are unteachable. They are in leadership. So leadership is not limited to, number one, social status. Your bank account, if you wait until your bank account reaches a certain level, when it gets past the minus in my account, then I can start thinking of becoming a leader. Because surely a leader can't have a minus in his bank account. No bank account. There's nothing to do with it. Or I need to attain a certain status. People need to see me in a certain way before I become a leader. Do you realize that this CEO of these companies, they are dependent, let's say for instance, you have a certain skill. Whatever your work is, you have a certain skill. And that CEO does not come down to do your work. He entrusts you to do it. You have taken leadership in that role. But you don't even see it. You just see CEO. Yeah, see, no, without you, the CEO can't. This company won't survive because you've been placed in a leadership role. There are so many professions in this room. The easiest one I can see is a teacher. Now, regardless of what your profession is, let's say you're a computer programmer, and you go and stand in front of a class, you won't know what to do. You need to take leadership from somebody who is accustomed to that role, regardless of who you think you are. Regardless of how much you think your computer knowledge is, when you get into that environment, it's useless there. You need to follow somebody else. So this is why I am confident that in your life, there's going to be opportunities where you are going to need to lead. Some of your breakthrough is linked to leadership. You don't want to take the lead. That's why you're stuck all the time in that circle. You're praying to God, but God is saying, I've called you and you're looking around, I'm waiting for this one, I'm waiting for that prayer, I'm waiting for this. No, no, take lead in that particular circumstance. Leadership is also not limited to your spiritual status. Not only pastors can be leaders, do you know that? Leadership is not linked to your the fivefold, when I become an apostle, when I become this, or when I become that, or now I'm a leader, sister Sefi. There's nothing to do with your spiritual status, because some of us use that. No, Lord, certainly not me. I mean, look at me, and then we compare ourselves with other people. I'm not like Sister Rene. I'm not, I'm, I'm not there yet, so I'm, maybe that role's not for me. But if God, one thing you need to learn, if, if you hear the knock of the Lord, it means your time has come. Your assignment is at hand. Regardless of where you are, regardless of who you think you are, when you hear the knock of the Lord, you need to know God thinks, and God knows that I am ready. So let me step out into my leadership role. If you look at Samuel and Eli, we know the story. Eli was the priest in that time, but he, he allowed his children to do so many things. And here we have Eli who was uh, Samuel's mentor. And look at, and I'm, the reason why I want to bring the story up is to prove that spiritual status has nothing to do with leadership. And here God looks at the lineage of Eli. God allows Samuel to be mentored by Eli, but not knowing, Samuel didn't know that Samuel was eventually to come and rebuke Eli and say, God says, you're not doing this, I'm going to remove you. Now, if you look at the spiritual level, Eli was way above Samuel because he was being mentored. Samuel was being mentored by Eli, but that didn't stop God from using Samuel to say and give a decree from the Lord to take leadership and say, that thing that you weren't supposed to do, this is what's going to happen now. Samuel took leadership, but he was below Eli, we put it that, in the spiritual picking order. So right there, 
I've burst a lot of your bubbles that's waiting for the moment when you become the super Christian. I don't know what your, I don't know what your, your picture is of the, the, the Christian you're supposed to look like. I'm not sure if you practice it in the mirror, you practice the lingo, hallelujah, or whatever. I'm not sure what that looks like, but God don't evaluate like that. He don't hand out assignments like that. When He deems you are ready, then He will hand it out to you. Leadership is not limited to your talent or your ability. An example that I'll use there, we know the story about Balaam and his donkey. The time that God used the donkey to speak to a man of God. So the talent for the task that had to be done had resided with Balaam, but because of his disobedience, God had to raise up a donkey to speak and rebuke. The donkey had to take leadership in that particular time. So if God can use a donkey, and I'm not comparing you to a donkey, but if God can use a donkey, man, what is our excuse? The excuses that we make as to why not me, Lord. Leadership is not limited to age. Can I remind you of the words of Paul? Timothy, don't be despised because of your youth. Or don't let others despise you because you are young, Timothy. A lot of us think because I don't have a gray beard. Or because I don't have children that's married. So I, uh, that disqualifies me. I have to wait. Uh, but age has nothing to do with it. Your calling is your calling. Calling is not linked to age. Calling is linked to purpose. Calling is linked to when you are ready and God has an assignment for you. He's going to call you regardless of your age. And lastly, leadership is not limited to perfection. The Lord is not going to wait until you are perfect. Perfect specimen of Christianity. Now he's going to start giving you the assignment. Because then what glory is he going to get because you're perfect? What glory is he going to get? No, he uses that imperfect vessel. That, that, that pot with the cracks in it and all of it. He uses that and he shows I can still get the job done. An example I like to use is that look at Jesus' choice of foundation to build his church on. Of all the people in that land, of everybody, there was the, the scribes, there was the Pharisees, all of those people he maybe could have used because they had some knowledge. He chooses Peter. Somebody who is very short-tempered. He says things out of turn, but God chooses that one. Now you, you, you don't even have to be a Bible scholar to when you read the story and you read about Peter, you can see, Lord, that is not the best of choice. I mean, this guy... He's even going to deny you, uh, but yet you're going to build your church on the very one that's going to deny you. So perfection, it's not, a, it's not a prerequisite. We understand the concept of an almighty God that he can do everything when it comes to things that we want. But we sort of purposefully forget that concept when it comes to when God wants us to do something. Now we forget that the same God that is mighty, that can do anything in our lives to get things to us, is also mighty enough to use us as imperfect vessels. So leadership is more about when I should lead than why I should lead. That's the, the change in your mindset. Instead of asking all the time, Lord, why? Why me? Why me? Why this? Why that? Rather ask, Lord, when? When, no. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but when is my next leadership assignment? When is my next task that you want me to do? When, when, when? Instead of asking why, why, why? Because if you ask why, 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 guess who's going to answer? He's going to whisper. 
all of these things that's going to that's going to side with your long list is going to add to your list as to why you cannot lead in this particular area if you look at the issues in society it's not people problems it's more about leadership problems the issues that we have here because leaders have not taken the lead and now the filters down the anointing falls from the top down and because the leaders don't have their act in order it filters down to the people who also eventually get to a place where they are chaotic there's no order. Proverbs 29 verse 2 says, When the righteous are in authority, listen, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, so there's wicked men that are able to rule, that finds themselves in rulership positions, but when wicked men rule, the people grow. What is if you keep your ear on the ground of South Africa? What is it grows or is it rejoicing? It's predominantly grows. So you know it's confirmation that that one is not supposed to be in power. But before we point a finger, let us make sure that we're not pointing a finger at the position that we are supposed to fulfill. It's quick, it's easy to say, yeah, but this one and that one. But did, maybe did, did God not call you for that role? And you're now hiding away, but now you want to point the finger? We're quick to do that. So when those whom God has called to lead carries in their leadership, someone else will jump at the opportunity. You need to understand this. This is so important. If you don't want to take up the role, take up that mantle that God wants to give you, somebody else is going to jump. It's not going to stay dormant. God is not going to wait forever. Somebody else is going to take over. And most of the time, because that's the second choice, the job isn't done as well as it should have been done as if when you would have done. There's a lot of jobs that you guys are applauding. Wow, look at this one. Wow, look at that one. But it's actually something that you should have done and you would have done with the job. But you didn't want to take the leadership role. And you're applauding a, a product that is mediocre. But it's supposed to have been superior, but only because you didn't take the leadership role. There's a distinct difference between someone that leads and someone that is a leader. There's a difference. There's a difference between someone that just leads and someone that is a leader. Just because you see someone leading doesn't necessarily mean that that person is called to be a leader. The one is fulfilling a required role and the other is fulfilling their destiny. One that's just leading is doing it from a position of obligation. Where somebody who's fulfilling their destiny, it's out of their passion. This is who I am. This is written in my DNA. I don't know anything else but this. Who would you want to follow? Somebody that's just a hired help, as the Bible says. Somebody that's, this is my destiny. And this, this is always something that I say. When I get the opportunity to speak to parents, when we have our meetings, I always tell them that there's nothing else that God has designed me to do. I'm supposed to deliver the word. I'm supposed to nurture his children. There's nothing else I'm supposed to do. I can't go anywhere else in a secular job. Even if I wanted to, I would be so miserable. The role of leadership. Number one, leadership is lonely. Ask people who's in leadership roles. It's a lonely place. A very lonely place. And a lot of us, when, we, when God 
expect something of us or there's something that you need to do and you do it and you find yourself alone, it's normal. You have taken the lead. What is a gang? What is a leader? A leader does something that nobody else, they saw the issue, nobody else did it. Nobody else wanted to do it. So it's normal for you to be alone. You're supposed to be there because nobody else wanted to take care of the business. They didn't want to do what was required. We understand that principle when it comes to a race. We understand that when I'm in a, when I'm in a race, when I'm leading, it's normal for me, to, for me to be alone. Actually, that's what I thrive for. I want to be alone because the being alone, it validates that I'm first. That I'm leading the pack. But when it comes to my walk with the Lord, all of a sudden the signals get mixed up and now we don't understand the principle of leadership. Now we understand it as when, when people is not with us, we think there's something wrong with us when we are leading. If you want to change and people don't want to change with you, what do you expect? You're supposed to be alone. A lot of people, they are striving to change in their families, but they're the only one that's, that's wanting to change. You're supposed to feel alone. You're supposed to feel isolated because everybody is doing what their flesh desires and you are pleasing your Father in heaven. It's normal. Are you in a workplace where you're the only saved one? You're supposed to feel alone. It's okay. It's fine. It's either that or you compromise. And true leaders, when you're in your zone, when you're in your calling, and you are alone, you actually thrive in those, those seasons. The seasons of leadership when you're alone. You're not alone all the time. Let me just put that out there. You're not alone all the time. Because obviously when you lead, eventually when people realize where the anointing is on you and God allows people to see what you are going to do and they want to follow you. But when you are alone, God maximizes that moment. Remember, you are the one that God has chosen to be the forerunner of whatever He's chosen you to be. So He wants His, His quality time with you because you are the leader. He doesn't require so much quality time with the followers because they're just, they're just going to follow anything that the leader says. But He needs quality time with them. So there's going to be time we isolate you into a corner. And you can, you can sort of plot it on a graph in your life. There's seasons where the, the family is all around you. You have all the friends in the world. They're visiting you all. Then all of a sudden, who knocks on the door? All alone. There's an echo in your room. It's just you and the Lord. And now what we do by mistake, we force ourselves out of that particular position and we go and look for people. That's not what you're designed to do. That's a season where God is building you. He's building you. You are in the workshop of the Lord. Leadership requires tough choices. Speaking about the road of leadership, the DNA of leadership, it requires tough choices. A follower will stagnate or flee from a required tough decision. Somebody who's a follower, they will Stay away from the tough choice. They know it must be made. They will stay away from it. They'll make all sorts of excuses. Uh, you know, they would, they would rather stagnate in that particular area of their life or career, um, knowing that they need to make that choice, but they will stagnate. Whereas a leader, a leader will follow through. The difference between a leader and a follower, a leader also experiences fear. A leader also experiences doubt. But the difference between a leader and a follower is when it comes to the point where now I need to start doing something, the leader is the only one that steps forward. He acknowledges all that fear, acknowledges the doubt, but they follow through with what needs to be done. So you cannot live like those you have been tasked to lead. So in your season that you are in, 
I hope that you can see the leadership role that God has given you. There's certain character traits, there's certain habits that you cannot adopt as the leader, the one that's taking the lead in this. You have to be distinctive. You can identify a leader. When everybody is pointing towards you, you are the leader. Some of you, in your days where you weren't saved, you were the, what do they say? The life of the party. That was a a negative context, but you have taken a leadership role in the club where everybody follows what you do. It's leadership. That's what you're doing. Your routine differs from those around you. When everybody is out, you are busy doing and studying and all of these things. When everybody is doing the pleasurable things, you are busy putting in the work to get this thing done. Your actions will also often be evaluated as unpopular. There's seasons in a leader's life where people, they are okay with what, they, what, what you are saying, what you are communicating to them. But then there are seasons where people say, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not up with this. I'm not up. If you look at even with presidency now, um, there was a time where President Cyril Ramaphosa, everybody was okay with him. But now all of a sudden, he's done certain things and now people also, all of a sudden are murmuring and murmuring and they're doing this. Exactly the same that they did with Jacob Zuma. So there's seasons within leadership. You can't please everybody as a leader. That should have been the first point. Because as leaders, we sort of mistake leadership with friendship. There's two different things. It's not the same thing. I cannot be your best friend and lead you at the same time. It's difficult. Because now when I have to rebuke you and tell you that is not on It's difficult for me because I have the role of the best friend. I don't want to hurt your feelings. And I have to choose best friend leader. Best friend leader. Leader always needs to remain neutral. Am I saying be this cold person that nobody can, you're untouchable? No. And be friendly. But you need to know there has to come alive. There has to be alive. People mustn't become familiar when you, in the role that you are leading, they cannot become familiar. If they become too familiar with you, and when you want to lead, in the moment when you, when you want to lead, they're not going to follow you. Oh, but that's the, like the Jesus. But isn't he the carpenter's son? And now all of a sudden he's the savior of the world. They became familiar with Jesus. So they couldn't, they couldn't be led by him. You were making tables now the other day. Now you want to come and teach to us familiarity. You see why there has to be this gap between the leaders and their followers? has to be there. Leadership requires, and this is something that I had to learn very fast, it requires confrontation. There is no leader on this planet that can lead without confronting. It's impossible. Because leadership by definition means that the people around you is not doing the right thing. So you as the leader are guiding them into, towards the right thing, which means you have to tell them from time to time, that is wrong. That is confrontation. But it must be done. And this is what differentiates the leader from the follower. The follower will see the confrontation and will run away because now I don't want to offend you. But the leader will look at the confrontation and they will look at the bigger picture. If I don't do this, what is the consequence? If I don't give the rebuke, what is the consequence over there? And for a leader the lack of the rebuke or the result of not doing the rebuke or correcting somebody far outweighs the uncomfortableness during the rebuke. 
It far outweighs the, the funny looks you're going to get, the attitude. It far outweighs that. Because you're not focusing on that. You're looking, if I don't correct you there, now, this is where you're going to end up. And as a leader, I'm not okay with that. So I'm going to take the, the brand of it. I'm going to do the right thing. Leadership requires patience. As a leader, you will need to know that everybody's not on your level. Everybody does not understand your assignment. Everybody doesn't understand their assignment. When God gives you a group of people to lead, be it one, be it two, doesn't matter, you have to understand that as the leader, you don't know it all, but as the leader, God has given you the foresight to see this choice is going to end up there. It's also the other thing as a leader, you don't know it all. There's going to be times where you are going to have to take advice from those you are leading. And that when you become teachable, so a leader is prepared to work with the imperfections of those around them. Just because you are not a perfect person or that one is not perfect, doesn't mean that as a leader you cannot use them. Someone who is born to lead can take the most random people in the world and they can still get the job done. Look at Jesus. The most random 12 ever. And look at what he did. Their legacy is still living on, still rippling on so that is why as a leader the mistakes we make we look for the perfect people God don't choose that way God has laid it this is my leadership path everybody in this row God is I'm, I'm supposed to lead you and God has already taken into account all your failures all your insecurities all your nonsense all your habits and he's still given you to me which means I'm supposed to get the job done we look for the easy ones. Why? Because it's easy to lead people that's perfect. That's easy. <laughs> because the perfect ones, they don't, they don't murmur as much. They do it quickly. You know, you get the job done very fast. I used to say that's God's work. Maybe there's a certain way you're supposed to do it. And that person's attitude will guide the whole calling in, in the direction that it's supposed to go. Because remember, before you were a leader, you were a follower too, and I, you know you know what in the perfect follower. <laughs> You're honest with yourself. Come on. You weren't perfect. You're still not perfect. So if you're still not perfect, why do you look for perfect? For perfection. <laughs> when God places you in a leadership role. A leadership requires service, which is also known as sacrifice. Service. What is Service. That's taking on uncomfortable roles for the sake of others. So that job that nobody wants to do because it's quite a messy one, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable one, the leader serves and he does that. Example, Jesus with the washing of the feet. A nice job. But he demonstrated a level of humility and service. I'm going to wash your feet. And it's not like if Jesus would have washed feet today. We wear shoes like this today. In those days, they wore those sandals. Their feet were exposed. They walked in the dust. So can you imagine somebody walking through a puddle? Then he's walking in the dust. You can imagine what their feet looked like. Jesus said, I'm going to wash my feet. Now for them, it was an unheard of concept because leaders, they show leaders is there. And I'm here. I can never reach the leader. But yet Jesus shows them through leadership, the servanthood. May I come and I serve you. I don't expect anything in return. I serve you. I humble myself and I serve you. 
Serving is giving you things that you don't necessarily de- deserve or have qualified for. But as the leader, I make sure that you get it because it's a need. That's serving when you are serving. I don't expect anything in return. The, equa- the equation is not even balanced. But I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it because you have the need. So I'm going to serve in that area. That's what leaders do. Because when doing something beneficial for someone without a due reward, that is when you are serving. If the skills is balanced. So this is why whenever it comes to giving, now if your church does it, that's okay, we'll deal with it again. But this is the method that God had instituted tithing and offering. In the Bible, you won't find curry evenings, curry bunny evenings. You won't find karaoke nights. You won't find these things to raise funds. Why is that so? Because you are coming in and we feel so good. Now I'm going to support the church. And we come in, we buy the, the curry. We give the money, but we get so the, the scales are equal. So you, what are you giving? You're not giving anything. And we call that giving. It doesn't make sense. There's an exchange that has taken place. I give and I get, it's equal. But serving is I give, nothing comes back. (laughs) Nothing comes back like this. You are sacrificially giving. You're giving and nothing came back. I hope some of you didn't make change and things like that in there. So you're giving, nothing came back. That's a life of servanthood. Where you don't, I don't, and you know why that's a part of a leader's life that is, Walking in his calling. Because the leader knows, you don't have to give me anything. Because my help comes from the Lord. So I'm not doing this to get anything from you. I'm giving and God will reward me. He will reward me. But someone that doesn't have a calling needs the scales to be balanced all the time. Because I need to make sure that this is an equal transaction. It's a worldly mentality. But drag it into the church. Which it has no place for. Matthew 26 verse 39 says... He went a little further. This is not to do with sacrifice. Jesus went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, let thy will be done and not mine. What a moment of sacrifice. Where we see here that if Jesus wanted to take the option, what you need to understand, that option was on the table. Just because Jesus didn't take the gap doesn't mean the gap wasn't there. There was an opportunity for, for him to say, no, this is not. And then history would have been different. Our lives would have been different. But he didn't take that gap. He looked at the sacrifice. He looked at all the pain. And he looked at what am I getting? I'm getting nothing, Lord. Let this cup pass me by. It was an empty cup because there was nothing for me. But Lord, let your will be done. Let your will be done. Because a true leader does not evaluate decisions based on comfort. A true leader evaluates decisions based on the assignment at hand. If it's required and Jesus looked at everything and he knew it was required, there is no other way that you will be saved today without that act in the garden of Gethsemane. Without Jesus saying, let thy will be done, Lord. He didn't have to add that piece. He didn't have to add, let thy will be done. Could have just lifted at, let this cup pass me, pass me by. A leader knows when to utter those words. A leader knows when to, in the difficult times, just to say, mm, it's difficult. Let that will be done, Lord. All these people's working on my nerves in this job. Oh, let thy will be done, Lord. Why must I still be here? 
My family is working on my Let thy will be done, Lord. So Jesus had to forgo comfort for the sake of duty. I don't think we realize the position Jesus was in. There was a lot of people that wanted, that thought the Messiah meant that Jesus was going to rule physically. So we had a huge following. If he wanted to, he could have left the cross, left all the pain, and he could have had a wonderful life as a king. But he had to forgo that so that he could fulfill his duty. This brings me to my next point that if true leaders are able to serve and sacrifice, a leader that is not a leader cannot serve because that leader is selfish. So selfishness is not a part of the DNA of a Christian leader. You cannot be a, a leader that's walking in your calling with the Lord and you are selfish. Definition of selfish, there has to be, the skills has to be balanced all the time. Before I lift a finger for you, you have to do something for me. That is selfishness. It always has to be balanced. So those people who are selfish, they cannot grasp the value of serving. They don't understand the concept of serving. It is foreign to them. It makes no sense to them. So somebody that is in the world, can it's impossible for them to understand the concept of serving. Because why must I do this if I get nothing back? But you as a believer, because your help does not come from them, it comes from the Lord. You don't have to. The payment doesn't have to come like this. It comes like this. And you understand that revelation. And when we, when we live like that, we live in a, in a way we position ourselves where people no longer validate the pleasure in our lives. So in other words, I don't have to wait for my wife to put a smile on my face because the giving doesn't come from this way for me to live my life properly. It comes from this way. I wait on God to make my, my day good. I don't wait on somebody to... I'm not dependent on you to... Please don't say the wrong thing. Please don't do this. Because my whole day is going to be spoiled. Lord, you are sustaining my day. Even if that person does come, Lord, give me a garment of praise for the garment of heaviness. I make that trade. Leaders choose to see the value in others. They choose to. It's a choice. You are, do you know that if you spend enough time with somebody... In this room, or anywhere, eventually you will start picking out faults. Do you know that? I know from your social distancing, that person looks all prim and proper, that brother looks all prim and proper. But if you spend enough time, you can be saved, sanctified, blood washed, speaking in tongues, raising your hands, hallelujah, all of that. If I leave you long enough for somebody, you will be able to put a list together of all the negatives about it. That's just who we are. But a leader pushes that aside and looks for the diamond in the rough. Looks for the, for the pearl amongst all the, you know, amongst all the messiness. A leader is willing to put in the hard work to dig through the rubble just to get that small nugget of gold. I'm after that. I'm not, I understand that is who you are. You have all of those things, your temper, all I understand that, but that is just dirt. I'm after the gold. Somebody who's after gold, don't value the dirt. Have you realized that? A miner don't value. Oh, wow, look at this dirt. It's like candles in my hand. No, they don't. And I only stop until I get the gold. I want to challenge you today. When, with people around, especially people that, that you know, they, just, they, just, they have a remote for you. You know, 
They, they, they just know which button to press. They don't know. Some people, it seems as if they have a calling to, to aggravate you. That's their calling in life, just to aggravate you. But I want to challenge you. Is do what Jesus did with you. Don't stop pursuing that person or the relationship with that person until you find the thing that you like about them. And once you find it, you hold on to that and you ignore everything else. Because as bad as, as people can be, there's always something good inside somebody. That is why Jesus can, can boldly say that oh, his, his, the, his ministry was so inclusive of everybody. Because regardless of how bad you are, Zacchaeus in the tree there, you know, you were, you, you were robbing people. But what is that good thing, man? And with everybody, this is how he went about it. He ignored the negative and he looked for that one. Even if it was just one. And you are saved today because the Lord ignored all of your negativity, all of the dirt around you. And he looked for that diamond. He looked for that pearl within you. He looked for the gold nugget within you. And today you are saved. So can we not do the same for others? Can we not serve in that way as well? Look look for the, the good. It's easy to find the bad. The world does that for you. I've made this example before. I'm confused and amazed at how newspapers find. They fill it every week. They fill it. With negativity. I'm amazed at how do you find that much negativity? Because it's man's nature to hone in on the negative. We've been conditioned in this way that negativity we move towards. Positivity, oh, that's nice, but we wave at it from a distance. But negativity, oh, I want to find out what's happening here. I want to know. And you know it. You're quick for the Skinner story, but the praise report, no, no, wait, I'm, I'll tell you again, man, wait, I'm, I'm just busy. But Skinner story, what, this brother, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're zoned in to negativity. And don't beat yourself up. It's a, it's a character trait of the flesh. The flesh likes the negative. And until we meet our creator one day, Paul says, I'm always going to have this issue with the flesh. It's always going to be this back and forth all the time. But you need to be aware of it. So when you are doing it, you, hey, I need to stop. Hey, no, 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 this isn't right. I need to stop. Leadership comes with a built-in microscope that is attached to your life. That comes with leadership. You want to be a leader? The moment you put your hand and say, I'm going to lead in this, the devil nicely comes and he attaches, he sets up the microscope so that everybody can see and zoom in into your life. Find that bad thing. Because you call yourself a leader. So you're supposed to be perfect. You're supposed to have no faults. That is what people do. And they start to scratch. And scratch. And eventually what happens? You're going to find something. Because you're not perfect. But that's the role of leadership. If you look at Jesus, initially everybody was for him. Because he was doing great things. But towards the end, people started to have issues with him. Now there's Jesus that was so great that we... Put palm leaves down. Now we shout and crucify because we're seeing issues with it. That comes with, a, with leadership. Because people have this notion that a leader is not supposed to fail. People have this notion that a leader, when you identify yourself as a leader and you start to say, hey, let's go, I'm going to lead in this, they're expecting perfection. But forgetting that you'll never be perfect. Until you get to heaven, you will never be perfect. While your feet is on this earth, you will never be perfect. 
regardless of your role, regardless of well prepared you think you are, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to slip up somehow. And as much as we expect leaders to have leniency for us, the same way has to go towards the leader. When a leader makes a mistake, you know, um, let's let's work through this. The same way the leader would have done with you. Okay, okay, fine. You made the mistake. How are we gonna work? Same way. We often have have realized that that we often have a difficulty in caring up, and by that I mean. We find it easy. If somebody's on my level and below, I find it easy. I can care for you. How are you doing? Are you okay? But the person that's above me, they, they don't need care. I don't need to find out how they are. We find it difficult to care. Because you're the leader. You don't need care. You don't need to find out how you are or anything like that. You're supposed to be okay. We sort of position ourselves under leaders just to give or just to receive, actually. But leaders also are people. Leaders aren't superheroes. We often develop a superhero syndrome when it comes to people we view as leaders. This, perfect, this, this person is perfect. This person is not susceptible to the struggles of life. That person, is, that person eats, sleeps, needs to wash. All, all the same things I do as a human being. The person is in the same area as me, experiences the same things that I experience, but yet that person is supposed to be superhuman and where I feel this, a person is not supposed to feel just because they are leaders. Leaders have off days, have followers. Leaders are normal people. Normal people. But we have this notion that a leader is perfect in every way. As a leader, you will always acquire your fans of your downfall. There will be those that rejoice with you. But then you're going to get a group of fans that wants to plot your demise. And that is not an indication. What we often do when this group of people come and they're trying to plot my demise, we take that as, oh, maybe I'm doing something wrong. No, no. You, you, you have it wrong. You have it mixed up here. The fact that this people wants to pull you down, it means you're doing something right. Because they see, and the reason, you, it will always be the people that don't like change. Because people know that once a true leader steps on the scene, there's going to be a ripple of change that goes out in that area. And they don't want that because I'm in my comfort zone. But my comfort zone. So don't move me. Look at the Pharisees. This is how we used to do things, Jesus, for years. Now you want to come and you want to dictate to us this, that, and the other. There's no more Sabbath. You're healing on the Sabbath. These are things that has never been done. Change. I see change with Jesus. That's the biggest issue they had with Jesus. Remember, they didn't believe he was the Messiah, so they didn't kill him because he was the Messiah. They wanted to kill him because of the change he brought about. Now the people didn't listen as much to the Pharisees. They started to question the Pharisees because of Jesus. It was all about change. So as a leader, you have to expect that. It's like going to a puddle and trying to step in a puddle without making a ripple. It's impossible. It's impossible. And that is what leadership is about. God brings you to a puddle and he says, step. And you are going to make a ripple. And there's those that's going to ride the wave with you. Yippee, I'm riding this wave. But there's those that's going to grumble because you are taking them out of their comfort. True leaders craves progress. 
A true leader cannot stand stagnation when things are the same all the time. True leaders, they become fidgety. I need to do something. I'm so frustrated. Why are you frustrated? Because I'm not doing anything. My life is standing still. This project is standing still. Nobody's doing anything. A true leader can't stand in a time of True leader must. There must be progress. Because my God takes me from strength to strength. From glory to glory. There's a progression. And that, and God lives inside of me. Christ in me the hope of glory. And if he lives inside of me, he has to be changed. You can quickly see when somebody is just a follower. A follower can just come and he can sit or she can sit. And they can sit for years in the same spot all the time. It's not a nice place, but they won't lift a finger to change their life. Stay like that. Some of you know people like some of you are praying for people like that. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just a follower. They require a leader to pull them out to show them this is what you need to do. Some people are wired followers. Some people are wired as leaders. There's certain areas in people's lives. They may be a leader in that area, but in another area, they are a follower and require you as a leader in that area to bring them out. You don't get global leaders. Like you're a leader in the CEO of Telcom or whatever. Are you a leader everywhere in life? Does it work like that? So a leader craves progress. Leaders build bridges and not walls. Let that sink in. Leaders build bridges and not walls. First of all, under that point, a leader guards their heart. A leader knows I need to look after this. I'm not talking about the physical heart. I'm talking about the heart, as the Bible says, everything flows from the heart. Everything. Your actions, everything flows. So if this is contaminated, then everything, regardless of your motives, may be good. But if this is contaminated, and that is the, the joy of salvation. Because when you are saved, God takes out the stony heart and He gives your heart of flesh, as the, as the, Bible, as the Word says. Now the heart of flesh is not so you can be fleshly. A lot of people... You must understand that. That's not what the Bible is saying. It means that a fleshly heart is a heart that is tangible. It can be, it can be molded. It can be changed. But a stony heart, it's, that's, the, that's the way it's always going to be. That's what the Bible is saying there. Leaders are able to overlook the difficulties of today for the sake of tomorrow. A leader will approach somebody that has this, done something to them. Let's have this person has done something to two people, a leader and a follower. Something very bad. The one will approach that person as, I'm never going to forgive you. I'm going to hold this against you forever, forever, forever. A leader will look at that thing that has been done. The sting of it is still there. The leader is not immune to it. Remember, the leader is a normal person. The sting is still there, but the leader looks beyond today and sees what tomorrow is going to look like. So if I don't forgive you today, what is our tomorrow going to look like? What are, how are we going to interact tomorrow and the day after that? What are you going to be like if I don't correct you in that wrong that you did now? And now why don't I correct, correct because you wronged me so I'm not going to help you. But a leader overlooks that for the sake of the bigger picture of restoration. Leader builds bridges, not walls. If you look at at Jesus meeting up with Peter, just after he denied him three times, he said, Lord, I won't deny you. He denies Jesus in the time where Jesus needed him the most. He denied. Peter denied him. And here they come on the shore, and we read there, this is towards the end, 
And Peter, you know, he's a bit sheepish. He doesn't know how to approach Jesus. Jesus says, come, walk with me. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you love me? Into my sheep. And Jesus restores him. He denied Jesus three times. And Jesus asked him this question, do you love me three times? Just for him to know that, look, I told you you're going to do this. So don't condemn yourself because even though you did that, I'm still building my church on you. I forgive you. I'm overlooking the denial of today because of the future of tomorrow. That is what the leader does. If you look at Jesus again, on a cross that people created for him, driven nails through his hands and feet, a thorn of crowns, and then he's on the cross and he utters words that makes absolutely no sense. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So these people have done all of these things to them, but Jesus... Like with every true leader, forgives for the sake of the progress of those around them. Jesus knew that if I'm not going to forgive you now, if I'm not going to forgive you on this cross, salvation will not be available to you. And the bigger picture is not my pain. It's not what you've done to me. That's not the main thing. The main thing, the reason why I'm here, is so that you can have salvation in order for you to have that. Father, forgive them. They know not. We utter these words when it comes to Easter time and all of that, but we don't understand the weight of that phrase alone. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus had all the right, and he still does today, to condemn us in what we are doing, to speak negative of what we are doing, because we know we're not, as much as we strive to follow him, we fail every day. But yet, those words is not only said on the cross, it's echoing into eternity. So when you lay your head down, like Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, 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 forgive her because she didn't know what. He's still saying it today. It's echoing out into eternity all the time. And that's the same. He's showing you a blueprint of a leader. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is not easy. It's not easy. Because of a give, forgiveness is denying your revenge for the sake of that person. And revenge is a very strong emotion. Revenge is difficult to, to put revenge at bay, to put it back where it's supposed to be, to kick it out. It's difficult to do that for the sake of somebody that you want to take revenge on. It's difficult. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you say. I don't care how much of the Bible you know. When somebody wrongs you, your first instinct is, I'm going to get you back. But because of the Holy Spirit, the Holy works. It works. It works. For others, it's that 10 minutes later, you won't even know. Children are perfect at this. Little children. You can do whatever. I can give you Malachi hiding now. 10 minutes later, Daddy, Daddy. And sometimes we become aggravated because you're still supposed to be crying, man. You know? And in closing today, you need to lead as you have been called. So great leaders of the Bible, I mentioned three of them, actually four, but I've been speaking about the fourth one all the time. David. David was taken from a shepherd boy to one of the greatest leaders the Bible has ever seen. King David. Shepherd boy. Nobody would have thought, David, shepherd boy. Oh, now he's king. And in the lineage of Jesus. See how God works? Shepherd boy was the most lowliest of tasks. In the world. Then we have Joseph. 
from an errand boy with his father goes to send him to look out. Where's your brothers? And from there they was put in the pit and in the prison and in the palace. And the palace of, he was in second command of a superpower nation. From somebody who was in the pit. From somebody of a position where his own family despised him. He was elevated into a position of leadership of a powerful nation. Then we have Esther. From a peasant girl to a powerful queen of a conquering nation. The Persians in those times were just taking over territories all over. They were taking over Greece. They were moving. We know the movie 300. That is a sort of a snapshot of that time. And King Xerxes was just taking over territory all, all over. And God positioned Esther. He took her from being a nobody to a queen of a powerful nation. So she could save her. Then we have Jesus from a carpenter's, a humble carpenter's son. Why do I say humble carpenter's son? Because Joseph, we know very little about Joseph. Do you realize that? When you read, it's very little. Such a humble role that Joseph played. And Jesus was the, the, the earthly son of Joseph. And Joseph taught him this carpentry skills and all of that. But from there, Jesus became the savior of the world. From that position. So what are the common traits between this, these uh, four examples? And there's many in the Bible. Firstly, is they weren't seen as the elite choices. They weren't seen. David, Joseph, yes. they weren't seen as the people didn't go immediately to them and say, yeah, right, you're the person. They had to go through a long journey. But it didn't, through all the time from the beginning, they had leadership uh, potential on them already from the beginning. In the pit already, Joseph was a leader. In the, in, the, in the field tending the sheep, David was already a leader. Esther playing with the children, she was already a leader then, but she did not know it. A lot of you are leaders, but you don't know it yet. Because you don't look like it doesn't mean you are not. A lot of us, we, if you look at a mechanic, you expect a mechanic to have an overall, he must be dirty. But there's a lot of, I'm sure mechanics go to the shop, but they don't go in the overalls. They do no, he dresses and he looks normal. But under that normal facade is a mechanic that can fix you. Same with a the doctor. They don't walk everywhere they have that same. No, they look like you and I. You won't even know. It's the same with your calling. We look, sometimes you look at one another and we take each other on face value. Oh, I'm better than her. no idea who that person is on the inside. The calling that they have upon their life. And we judge people just based on They didn't appear to have any prominent leadership abilities. They all experienced great difficulties in life. They embraced the authority given to them by God to accomplish their leadership assignment. They embraced the authority. So there came a moment in each and every one of their lives, David, Joseph, Esther, Jesus, in that, that moment where the Lord says, Right, I've prepared you all the time now. I've prepared you. How are you going to take it? There was a moment in Esther's life when Mordecai told her that God will raise up somebody else, but you were raised up in the family. That was a pivotal moment. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. Lord, let this cup pass me by, but let I will be done. Just before the task, there will be that moment where God says, I prepared you, my son. I prepared you, my daughter. All that bad things has happened for this moment. Are you ready to take it? Are you ready to run with it? And it's your choice. If you reject it, God gives you free will. If you reject it, fine. But don't complain after that. 
And the last and most important thing is, is that they are not as different from you and I. The only difference is that their name is in okay, my name is also in the Bible. Bad example. But you get my point. That's the only difference. Is that your story, your story is not in the Bible. That's the only difference. But they're exactly like you. They experienced life. They had difficulties. They had difficult families. They had a difficult upbringing. They were placed or thrust into bad circumstances. Same like you. And now in Matthew 28 verse 18 it says that this is the great commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So all authority in heaven and the authority here has been given to Jesus. And then he goes on in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples. Don't go and make disciples because you think you're good. No, you're going to make disciples because I have authority there. And I have authority here where you are. So based on that authority, you go. Based on my authority, you go. Our mistake is we never walk in our leadership capacity because we're going in our own authority. We're looking at ourselves and say, we're going in this particular way we look, but we're not going in our own authority. We're going in the authority that Christ has given you to complete that assignment. Do you feel inadequate? You're supposed to feel inadequate. Do you know that as long as I'm ministering, there comes a moment when I stand there and I feel so nervous. I don't know if I can do this. And I've asked God, you know, never take that away. Because if there's going to come a moment where I stand, oh, I can do this, please. No, we go, I'm going to do this. And I'm doing it in my own stand. I'm not doing it in my own stand. I don't have any dependency on the Lord. But as long as I'm still nervous, I know that I'm depending on you, Lord. And a lot of us are waiting for when we don't get nervous. You're always going to get nervous. Because it's not it's an assignment given to you. You don't qualify for it, but God qualifies you for it. And who is a disciple? Pastor, no. Angelus, no. Somebody serving the Lord for 20 years at least, no. A disciple is someone who follows the teaching and lifestyle of Jesus. So if you sum up your walk with God, I don't care where, how long you were with the Lord, where you think you are, if that sums up your life, if you are pursuing we haven't reached it yet, but you're pursuing the teaching and the lifestyles of Jesus, and you are a disciple. And that phrase in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of nations because you are the disciple, means that it's not speaking to the twelve, they're speaking to you. We often don't think that it applies to us, and making of disciples is not the we have to get this traditional notion of just evangelism. That's not, just, that's not the only way to make a disciple. If you were in your workplace, you were a banker, you were whatever, you were a technician, you were a teacher, you don't need an evangelistic crusade to make a disciple. I can get to know somebody, befriend somebody in a workplace, and through my life, I can convert them to Christianity without a crusade, without a church service. That is what the Lord is saying. Use your life, and wherever you are, that is your pulpit, and that is where you, what you use, whatever God has given you, you use that as a means to win somebody over to the Lord. Why do you think Paul says, I've become all things to all men? Meaning that the Bible and the gospel, it's able to transform. 
It's, it's like a chameleon that can blend in with anybody's life. It can meet you at any point of your need. Regardless of where you're at, the Bible has the ability to meet you at that point and pull you to where you need to be. So lead in the direction of your calling. The doorway to your calling will always be in the vicinity of where you are and what you have. God will never give you a calling that is out of your reach. If He's called you for something, the first thing you do is look around at what you have and where you are and you will find the doorway to your next step right there. We often look for these extravagant things. If God has called you for, for a particular assignment, it means you have all the necessary required tools at your, at your disposal. Just look around and see where you are and what you have and use that. Don't, this, don't look at your assignment and then the first thing you do is you look at the, at the template of somebody else that did the same thing and I'm going to do it exactly like that. God is not looking for copycats. If he was, he would have just copied, copied, copied all over and he would have hundreds of Jesus that look the same, everything is the same, the story is the same. We are all unique and God uses each and every one of us. So let's stop looking for I want to be like him, I want to be like her. I'm looking for Oh, that's just my story, so I want to become just like... No, no, no. What is your story? What is the gospel according to you? What is the gospel according to you? And that's how you win somebody to the Lord. If you look at your assignment, your assignment has to be accepted. And I'm closing now. Your assignment has to be accepted. You have to accept your assignment. And by have to, I mean, the assignment comes there. You have to take it. And make it a part and make a conscious decision that I'm going to walk in this assignment. If you don't do that, it will always just be there. A lot of people are in the vicinity of the assignments, but they're not fulfilling the assignments. They're in the vicinity, they're right there, but they haven't taken it, hold of it, and made it their own and walked into it. But it's right there all around you. Whenever you feel like you're stagnating, like the scenery is always the same all the time, you know, I'm talking about just physical scenery, just your life is all the, it's, it's the same. You can't detect progress. And that means that somewhere there's uh, an assignment that you haven't taken. That's why you're not moving forward. And we're praying to God, Lord, bless me with this, bless me. He's not going to bless you until you take the assignment. Because your assignment is linked to your blessing. God don't bless in isolation. He blesses according to what He requires of you. It's linked to your assignment. And a lot of us, we want the blessing, but we want the blessing Void of the responsibility of an assignment. God don't bless that way. If you look at and as I close with this is that I want to just show you that or confirm to you once more in case you still don't believe that you are a leader as a, as a Christian. Is that why would the Lord refer to, if you look at who is the king of the, of the sky? Which animal? And the I didn't coach my wife. It wasn't really your thing. And we know that it says so beautifully that we will rise up on wings like eagles. And that's not the only reference to an eagle. Who's the king of the jungle? Lion. And the lion is the lion of Judah. So these are leaders in their various natural environments. And God refers to it in His Bible. Remember, this is God breathed. This is a God ordained book. And God refers to these two particular animals in their natural environment and He links it to you. So He's reminding you. Same like these are the leaders. You know that eagle is the top dog in the sky. 
The lion is the top dog in the jungle. I'm referring them to you. I'm linking to show you. This is what I expect of you. You are a leader. That is why when you are saved, I can understand if you are not saved, but when you are saved, you cannot live an ordinary life. A believer's life is not an ordinary life. It's not a life that goes along and flows with the world and flows with people that has no relationship with the Lord. No, it's a life that takes twists and turns. It looks, it looks, it's an, ex, it's an extraordinary life. It's a life that most of your family members will not understand. Most of your friends will not understand. But that's because they are not following an assignment. So the creator of everything known to man, that's the last one, the creator of everything. Everything that you see. Those are things that you have not seen. The things that man is still discovering in the universe. God created that. And that God is your heavenly father. If you look at that, there's no higher leader than God. And God is your father. And God says, imitate me. So if God is a leader in his own right, he's telling you, you are leader. Regardless of who you think you are, look at the creation, look how I created that, look at my handiwork, imitate me. God is not just saying imitate the holiness, he's saying imitate my leadership uh, abilities as well, the way I lead, the way I do things. God don't let people tell him he does what is required. God don't wait for people to do things, he does it, let there be, and it is. That's what you have within you, a leader within you. God is, God is waiting on you to open your mouth, to allow you to start creating, to allow you to start leading. And the last thing is that we all know that in terms of some people who walk the earth, Jesus is the greatest leader ever. There's no leader that's close. I know as South Africans we say, oh, Nelson Mandela, greatest leader. Yeah, okay, he was a great man. But in terms of greatest leader ever who walked this earth, Jesus. And now listen what Jesus says. I'll close with this last scripture. John 14 verse 12, we can put it on. This is the greatest leader of all and he says this. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. I mean, I don't think you're getting it. The greatest leader that ever walked this earth, he says, these things that you're marveling, you are also going to do. So you acknowledge me, Jesus, as the greatest leader. You are going to lead as well. But he doesn't stop there. He says, and greater works than these will you do. You like my leadership? You are going to be in better leadership positions than me. A true leader is not, a, is not afraid of allowing others to go ahead of him. A true leader. Somebody who is a dictator will keep... No, 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 no. You stay here. You're not going ahead of me. A true leader, don't mind being... The stepping stone for somebody else to stand on and go higher than them. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, yes, you admire me, which you should. Yes, you adore me, which you should. But I'm calling the leader out of you. I reside within you, which means your life is supposed to resemble leadership qualities. You're supposed to lead. You're not supposed to. You weren't designed to follow. You're designed to lead. That is why when you follow people that does the wrong thing, it frustrates you because deep down you were never meant to follow them. You were meant to create your own path. You were meant to lead. The frustrations that a lot of you are feeling is because you've placed yourself in a position of following. God has called you out. 
He's called you to lead. Come on, people. He's called you to lead. So today, my goal is that you no longer keep other leaders on this pedestal and you put yourself down like that. Stop that nonsense. I don't care what your background is. I don't care who you think you are. I don't care the insecurities that you have, your faults, your failures. God knows that. And He has called you anyway. I don't care what your family looks like. God knows that and He calls you anyway. I don't care the bad habits you still have and still struggling with. God knows that and He calls you anyway. You have no excuse. Step out. Step out. Take the shackle. The title of my message was Unshackling the Leader Within. Unshackle. Take the shackles of following off your feet. You are a king's child. You are a prince. You are a princess. You are royalty. There's royalty that's been thrusted upon your life. You've been included now in the lineage of Jesus. He's a part of you. You cannot just accept any life. Any life, I'm sorry, will not do Jesus. That, in the Bible it says, I'm gonna, you're going to have to come and give an account to me. God wants to know what, what have you done with the authority what have you done with it? Have you played small because you were scared? My authority supersedes that. My authority supersedes the opinions of others. My authority supersedes uh, what you think of yourself. My authority supersedes all your faults and failures. There's nothing that my authority can cover. What have you done? What are you doing in your life? Given Amen and amen. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he lift up his countenance towards you and give you his everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's leaders said, Amen. Have a blessed week.